you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Mark? We'll continue our series through the book of Mark. It's one of the shortest, compacted uh, of the Gospels is the book of Mark. It's, it's fast-paced, it's immediate, it's right to the point. And so we're looking at the book of Mark. Everybody has a calling of God to be used by God. There's no one in this room, you hear my voice, cannot say that God doesn't want to use me and that God hasn't called me. He has called you. He does want to use us. And God wants to use us beyond our wildest dreams. You're no cosmic accident with no purpose. You do have a purpose. God has a purpose. And, and, and as I said this before, nothing brings greater joy in my life than to be used by God for, for greater purpose, larger than myself. I'm sure Michael would never dream that he would be one day sitting right here and leading, you know, worship and singing and using his talents for God. That's a, that's a dream that's bigger than ourselves, and, and God's got greater plans for, for Michael. I mean, it'd it probably scare you what, what God has in store for you. Listen, folks, we have one precious life to live. I think God is worthy of that life, and God wants your life to matter and to have purpose. In his book, Life Beyond What You Think is Possible, that's the title of the book, Dr. David Jeremiah said, a life beyond amazing doesn't have to start when we step into heaven. A life beyond amazing can be lived right here on earth. Now, have you ever thought about this? This is something that just, uh, I just couldn't wrap my head around. You see, that, that God believes in you, and we believe in God, but God believes in you that he has thought about you, and probably he has thought about you for all eternity. That's amazing. Definitely before you were born, Paul said, Paul wrote that. He said in Galatians 1, he said, but, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. You see, you and I were created for a purpose by God and for God. Well, this morning, as we look at Mark chapter 4, how can we know God's purpose for our lives? How can God use us beyond what we thought possible? I think there's some key things that we're looking in here in Mark chapter 4 that will help us to understand what that means and how that can be in our life. So we're going to start, um, our text is going to be beginning in verse 21, but I want to back up and uh, look at some previous verses because I believe verse 21 goes into an extension of what is said uh, from uh, the beginning of chapter 4. So Mark 4 begins the parable of the sower and the seed. The farmer throws the seed on four different types of soil with four different results. And so we see the explanation of that. And, and uh, Kevin did a great job last Sunday on preaching of this. Um, and I'm not here to re-preach his message because he did a great job, but I just want to get a, a, a foundation before we move into verse 21. I had a preacher one time 
I hope he never listens to this message. We have this message online. But uh, whenever I preached in his church, you know who I'm talking about, he would come up 20 minutes later and re-preach the same message and maybe even do some correction in addition to the message I just spoke about. <laughs> well, I'm not here to do this, but I wanted to set some foundation things about what this means as we go forward into verse 21. So in Mark chapter 4, I want to read the explanation that Jesus gives of the sower. It says, verse 14, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear. Now, there's some key words that we're going to look at. First of all, we find out that the seed is, is, uh, is like the word of God, where the word is sown. The soil is the receiving. And like what Kevin said about the, the receptive of the heart, the four different hearts. And then the word here, we're going to see this over here. This is an important word. This is a very important word that we're going to look at today. So when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, so endure only for time. After when the tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. There's our word. Hear and word are key words in this. What Jesus explained it about the sower and the seed. And the cries of this world and deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things. Entering in, choke the word and it become unfruitful. Verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Now, this is where we want to camp. This is where we want to live. Those who hear the word, they accept it. Now, that's the difference between the other three. They heard the word, and then they accepted it. It's like they engrafted it into their life. And then because of that, this is the exciting part, and they bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60 and even some a hundred, a hundredfold because of the hearing the word and then accepting. And because of that acceptance, there is fruit that is given. The character of the hearer's heart determines the effect that the word of God has upon him. Your heart affects how the word of God is going to be lived out, whether it's going to produce fruit or not. And of course, we want that last heart. We want that descriptive heart of the, of the further heart of being our heart. I don't know if you've, I may be aging myself, but you remember the phrase fertile myrtle? I don't even know if they have that. You don't want to talk about fertile myrtle? Do you, Michael? You don't? All right, let's school Michael today what fertile myrtle. No, <laughs> let's not. <laughs> it's just someone who can um, easily have a child. Okay, and uh, here's that's not what we want to be. Our heart, our heart is want to be wanting to be so receptive to God's word. We want to have a heart that's, that isn't like these other three, but we want to have the heart that's good soil, that, that whenever the word of God is given and whatever we hear, whatever we read it, however it comes to it, whether it's in music, we're open to it and we receive it. 
and plays, it lodges there, and fruit comes of it. That's the heart that we want to have. The message says, it says in this last verse, let's put it this way, but the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word, embrace it, and produce a harvest be, beyond their wildest dreams. That's the word of God comes into uh, that person's heart and that good soil and produces fruit beyond their wildest dreams. So I want to give you three keys as we get into the next few section of the, the next part of the section, section of the scripture, three keys of a fertile heart. And, a, and as a fertile heart for the word of God is that we have to have that ears to hear the word of God. This is the, this is the key point is, is to, to have an ears that will listen to the word of God, accept the word of God, and allow it to produce fruit in our life. It says this over and over. In fact, at the beginning of this, of this story, the parable of Jesus says, now listen. And then he goes on and he said, here, here, if you have an ears to hear, hear these things. This is the difference. So having ears to hear is the key or the way we have our heart fertile for God's word. So first thing that I want you to look at is number one, if you take notes, is to accept the purpose of God's word. Accept the purpose of God's word. So as we move into verse 21, let's read this. And also he said to them, so he just came uh, from reading, as we looked at verse 20, about the bearing of the, uh, the, the word of God in a good heart, and it bears fruit, some 30, some 60, and a hundredfold. And he also said to them in verse 21, is a lamp brought to be put under, excuse me, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Now he gives us a couple questions here. And, and the question is, is that when you bring a candle into the house, for us today, if you were to bring in a light, a lamp into your house, do you immediately come and take that lamp and you bring it into the house and then you take a blanket and you put over the blanket over the lamp? Absolutely not. That's not what you do with the lamp. That's not the purpose of the lamp. The purpose of the lamp and the, and the candle in those days was to be brought in and to be maybe mounted on the wall or put on a table somewhere where the light can illuminate in a predominant place because you want to have the light that is given from that light to be effective, to, to have its purpose being um, played out in that room because of the candle. Listen, here's what God's saying. He said these questions. Is it weird to place the word of God in a prominent place in our hearts? Not behind other things or under things, not to pile, not to not to, to minimize it, but to maximize it so that it may illuminate in that room. It may illuminate in our heart and our life. We want the word of God to have a prominent place in our heart. We're to place the word of God over us and not under us. We're to place the word of God over our thoughts and not under them. We're to place the word of God over our decisions and choices, not under them. It is to be in first in line when we consider something. That is the word of God is that we want to go to the word of God and allow its life, its truth speak into us. If we do this, this creates a fertile heart that produces amazing fruit. And so he asks these questions of our prominence, a priority of the position of the word of God in our life. 
And he goes into something interesting. It says in verse 22, For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. And he's saying light is meant to be, to, is to reveal. That's the purpose. Uh, you know, we're born into a dark world without light, without truth. We don't enlighten ourselves. We need someone bigger than ourselves. And the Bible gives us the light that we desperately need in our lives. The design of the Word of God is not meant to be hidden or covered up. Jesus is saying that we're not keeping secrets. We're not hiding things. We're, keeping tr- uh, we're not keeping truth from you. We're bringing the truth out in the open. We're placing it before you. This isn't something that is, uh, is to be hidden into a back room, into a closet. It's to be brought out into the center. And Jesus is saying, we're bringing these things to you. We're giving these things to, to you. Listen, bringing things out into the light, living a life of transparency produces fruit by letting the word of God shine in our lives. This is what we're to do with the word of God and allow it to come in and and illuminate us. It's to to shine in there. Psalms 139 takes a challenge and says, says, search me, O God, search me. You see, when, we're, when we are coming to the Word of God, here's what we're to do. We're to read or hear the Word of God. We're to invite it in and say, God, I want you to search me. I want you to show me. I want, I want this to be something as a light into my life. And you show me, God. If I am off, uh, off on something, if I need to correct something, God, I want this to be effective in my light. I want to, to show me. And this is the attitude that we're to have towards the Word of God. Verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. It says this over and over again. Throughout the scripture, this is a common phrase that is in the Bible, is that we're listening. So if God says it over and over again, then evidently we have a tendency to not listen, is to not really hear. In the message again, it says, are you listening to this? And then it says, really listening. Are you listening to this? That's what Jesus is saying here. It says, this is the importance of the word of God for us so that we may have fertile ground, so that we may produce fruit in our life. The second thing I want you to consider as we get into verse 24 is to consider what you hear. Consider. And that word has the idea of of discerning or heed. Consider, weigh that. Then he said to them, take, heed, consider what you hear. Consider, this is something that, that we're to uh, weigh out, that we're to filter, we're to discern when we hear the word of God against the scripture, or, or when we hear the word of God and, and, and the voices that maybe speak against the scripture, we're to discern, no, that's not of God. This is what God says. That's not an important, that goes against God's word. We're to weed that out, discerning those things. There are some things we shouldn't give an ear to. The reason is because our actions are the sum of our thoughts. And in our behavior of life, when we, we have those thoughts and we, we let those things come into our heart and to our mind, and we start, we start behaving according to our thoughts. So we have to guard against that. But also, this has the idea, we're to weigh and consider the word of God as it is precious, as precious as Jesus did. It, it, he said this, we do not live by bread alone, but by the very word of God. 
Psalms says the word of God is more precious and the most beautiful, most expensive jewel on earth. This is the, the value of God's word. It is life. It is life-giving. It is fruit-giving as we place that in our heart. Consider what Jesus is telling us about the word of God. He tells us that we are with the same measure we're to take heed what you hear. And with the same measure, you use it. You, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. For whoever does not have, even what he, is, what he has will be taken away from him. Now, what does that mean? What does that have to say? Here's a simple thing. There's a simple way of looking at it. Those who receive the truth and act upon it receive more. Those who receive the word of God and have the acceptance and allow the word of God to come into our life and it change, it has its effect, has, has what it's supposed to be doing in our hearts if we have that, we receive more of that. We receive more. Now, here's the other thing, as we've turned, it, uh, turned the coin. Those who reject the truth will ultimately lose what they have. It's like this. You know, you go to the gym and you work out. I haven't been to the gym probably three months and uh, it's been a while, okay? I'll just say that. It's been a while. Well, because I haven't been to the gym, and I know you notice this, my muscles are, are deteriorating because I haven't been using them. And uh, that, that's what happens. If we fail to exercise a muscle, we will one day lose its use. That is just a, a life principle. And, and it's meant to be carried over into the Word of God. If we don't use it, we lose it. This is what God is saying. And, and so if this is true, then we should consider the, the value of the Word of God when we hear it, that we apply it in our life. Otherwise, we will lose it. We'll lose it. It's a game changer, and we need to get this. How I respond to God's word is how God is going to respond to me. If you are serious about reading and hearing God's word, he gives you more. If we consider this a light thing, a Sunday morning thing, if we consider this to be something that I can pick or choose, you understand this, and what measure that we choose with this, that God turns around and, and says, okay, I will respond just how you have responded to my word. And this is why the word of God is so important for us in our life. And because not only, not only that, we can want to lose it because God gives us more. If you're taking notes, write this down. What you give to the Lord, he multiplies. What you give to the Lord, he multiplies. When you give to God, he multiplies. Jesus said what we give to, to him, 
tagai is returned, it's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about our life, about giving ourselves, giving who we are. I'm talking about giving God, God's word, the attention that it deserves. When we do that, it multiplies. When you give to God, he returns with the power of multiplication. One of God's favorite tables is the multiplication table. It's throughout the scripture. He said in, to Adam and Eve, you know, be fruitful, multiply to all the, the, the animals and the, those of the creation of living things. It, it, when Noah came out of the ark, he said, multiply. And we've been multiplying ever since. That's God's desire. When you became a child of God, he saved you. Yes, he saved you from hell. You have that get out of hell card. You're, you're not going to hell because of that. You have been saved, but you, God wants to give you so much more. He gives you a life and a life here upon earth that is abundantly. And then he takes you to heaven and, and we are there in a perfect place and a joyful place and a wonderful place. And, this, and he makes us joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, when you give God something, he multiplies it more than you could ever imagine just doesn't add to your life. He multiplies to your life. Haiti May Wait, Wyatt, was a six-year-old girl who lived near Grace Baptist Church in Philadelphia. This is about in the 19, early 1900. The Sunday school was very crowded, and Russell Conwell, the minister, told her that one day they would have a building big enough to allow everyone to attend. She said, I hope you will. It is so crowded, I'm afraid to go there alone. He replied, when we get the money, we will construct one large enough to get all the children in. Two years later, uh, Haiti May died. And after the funeral, Haiti's mother gave the minister a little bag they found under the daughter's pillow containing 57 cents in change that she saved up. Alongside it was a note in her handwriting to help build bigger so that one more children so can go to Sunday school. The minister changed all the money into pennies and offered each one for sale. He received $250 and 54 of the cents were given back. The $250 was itself changed into pennies and sold by the, by the newly formed Wyatt Mite Society. In this way, her 57 cents kept on multiplying. 26 years later, in a talk entitled The History of the 57 Cents, the minister explained the results of her 57-cent donation. A church with a membership of over, over 5,600 people, a hospital where tens of thousands of people were been treated, 80,000 young people going through university, 2,000 people going out to preach the gospel. All this happened because Haiti May Wyatt invested her 57 cents to God. The theme of multiplication runs throughout the Bible. We cannot... What cannot be achieved by addition, God does by multiplication. You reap what you sow. You only many times more what you give to the Lord, he multiplies. And I'm not here to get into your wallet with this point. I'm just saying that when you give God, he does amazing things beyond your imagination when you give it to God. I am proof of that because I, 
uh, not because I'm anything special, but I gave it to God a long time ago, and I am amazed. I am amazed where God has brought me. I'm amazed I am here in California preaching to you in Southern California. Here's what I'm saying. When you give serious attention to the Word of God, God gives you more, multiple more. It's truly we cannot outgive God. Consider the great value of God's Word. Remember the, uh, remember the, the commercial. Michael's not going to get this. But there was a commercial years ago, and some of you are going to know, when E.F. Hutton speaks, Kevin, you even got it. People stopped. I mean, the commercial, the, the, when E.F. Hutton speaks, and then all of a sudden, everybody stopped talking, and they listened. <laughs> this is what we need to do with the Word of God. Listen, and I know that sometimes you hear a message, or you hear the word of God, or you read the word of God, and you don't understand, or, 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 or maybe the, the, the message uh, or messenger of the word of God is not as, you know, uh, clear or superb as you think it should be. But it, if your focus is on the message, the word of God, you're going to get something no matter where the messenger comes from. Music, messenger, Wherever the word of God comes through, if your focus and your value consider the word of God important, it brings great value to your life and fruit is produced. Let's look at the last thing. There's a parable here that I want to close on. And then next week, we're going to get into talking about the mustard seed. And I love the story about the mustard seed. Uh, looking forward to the parable of the mustard seed. But verse 26, it says, and he said... Now, Jesus is talking, the kingdom of God is as of men, as a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by, by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle and because the harvest has come. Now here, we have faith in the pro growing process. You see, the simple farmer goes out and he takes the seed and, and he casts it on the ground. Maybe cover it up, but he casts it up and, and, and there it is. And, and he goes home and he goes to sleep and, and, and he doesn't wake up in the morning and walks out to the field and look and says, where's all the, how, how can I get this to grow? And no, he, he knows that it's a process. And in that process, he really doesn't understand how it works, but he knows it works. And, and, he's, and he doesn't try to figure it out. He just knows that in time, the blade's going to shoot up, and pretty soon it's going to grow, and pretty soon there's going to be fruit on that vine, or there's going to be some kind of vegetable that happens on that vine. The point is, stop trying to figure out the how and just trust God that it works. You know, the Word of God comes into our life, and sometimes we want to understand it. We want to understand, uh, have everything explained. You know, you that have an engineering mind, when you're talking to an engineer, he likes or she likes to, like, like 
I give you every detail what happens and how it works and, and all that. And, and, and you go through this process. And by the end of the time, you know completely how that little motor is going to work. Now, when we come to the Word of God, we're not going to understand everything about it, but we know that it works. And we trust God as the, as the Word of God comes into our heart. It brings this fruit. We have to trust God to be true to His Word. And so we, by faith, know that it's going to come. It's going to make a difference in our life. We just trust God's word. As we leave it there, it'll produce uh, that abundant life, that 20-fold, that 30-fold, that 60-fold, that 100-fold of fruit in our life because of the presence of the word of God in our life. The purpose of the Bible is to help you live out the purpose God has for your life. It's God's inheritance that's due to you. God wants you to be thoroughly equipped for what you've been made to do. God wants you to grow and know what's available to you from him. You need to read the Bible to do that. We need to have the word of God prominent in our lives, in our hearts. Would you bow your heads in prayer, please? As we bow our heads in prayer this morning. Where's the word of God in your life? You may be living frustrated. You may be living confused. You may be even questioning, is my life really counting for something? And I ask you, where's the word of God in your life? Consider the word of God. Allow it to grow and to produce that fruit. You know, I love, one of the things I love about is the small groups is because in the small groups, it's amazing when we take the Bible and we, we sit around and we discuss and we share things. And even though, and I might even be the teacher of the small group, there's always something someone gives that I've never thought about and it's helped me in my life to be a better follower of Jesus Christ. Wherever the word of God has been given, however we have it in our life, it's important. We want to open our hearts and our mind to the word of God. It's powerful. This morning, I want you to to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you'll stand with me and we're getting ready to sing one more song and I love the song that we're getting ready to sing. I'll invite the worship team to come up and get ready for this. So we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. To think about these things this morning. Heavenly Father, you are a holy holy, holy God. There isn't one milligram of deceit in you and in what you say to us. You're to be the most trusted being in the universe. 
Your word is true and powerful. Now help us to, to set up in our, heart, in our hearts that we may know you and your ways, that our heart is the most fertile grounds for the word of God, to be planted and produce even a bumper crop of fruits in our lives, good works. God, we are open to your word. We want your word. We want your word to speak into us and change us. We want your word to bring light into our ways, into our hearts. Father, I even pray someone here today that would have such a fertile heart that, God, you would work into their lives a hundredfold because of the power of God's word. We say this in the one true God, Jesus Christ. Amen.